Fall is here, there's a chill in the air, and the Anomaly Film Festival is right around the corner. It's November 8th through the 12th at the Little Theater in Rochester, New York. Check it out at AnomalyFilmFest.com. It's the fifth year of showing the best in independent genre films, action, sci-fi, horror, dark comedy, and really whatever else that you wouldn't get a chance to see on the big screen. It's Anomaly Film Fest at the Little Theater, November 8th through 12th, AnomalyFilmFest.com. Yeah, yeah. I was telling them that I like, oh, I really want to sit next to Dom. Because have you ever seen this movie before? No. I actually, the first time I ever heard of it was when you did your initial interview with us. And you're like, what's your favorite martial arts movie? And I remember I said Bloodsport. And I think like everyone else said Flying Guillotine. (laughs) And I'm like, I've never heard of this movie. (laughs) I just, I wanted to see the look on your face and your reaction the first time that he takes a head <laughs> like i still every time i watch it i shout at that moment it's in fact i was, I was like I, it, oh, it is. It, I was watching it today i was re-watching it today and uh, like it was in the afternoon so i don't know will was in the other room and i just yelled out and he's like what's going on and you know i'm in the <laughs> back room just dying i'm like uh he just i like I like that blind monk just decapitated a guy. He's like, that's funny. I'm like, yeah, it kind of <laughs> is, really. <laughs> yeah, come check it out. He just rips his head right the fuck off. Look. <laughs> that's a great description of it. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's great. I'm saving right. it. I'm saving it for the podcast. Yeah, you're right. We got to save, got, we gotta save got it for the everything show. Right, for after a lot of gold start. we're dropping here. Yeah, yeah. I can't. Yeah, yeah. We're right. This is, We're wasting this. Yeah, that we're story you should literally tell during the podcast. Okay. Well, he, we will get to it. He already did. I've been recording for the last 90 seconds. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, we'll have it actually in it. All right. Let's uh, want to get rolling for real, for really reals. Yeah. I'll hit the, I'll hit the song and really do the real. thing. All that good stuff. Make it real, son. Make it really real. Masters of Couch Potato Style Punches and Popcorn Welcome back to another episode of Punches and Popcorn And this this episode, your Couch Potato crew Is going to see if their Couch Potato style Can stand up against the fearsome might of the greatest weapon in martial arts cinema, the flying guillotine. That's right. Tonight, we're talking about the master of the flying guillotine. But before we face this impossible weapon, let me introduce my fellow couch potato warriors in this adventure. With us tonight, as always, uh, again, I am your host, Michael Huntone. I am the master of... Disaster. Dis- yeah, it's, <laughs> I had to go with it. Thanks. Yeah, I'm going to take it. Disaster. If you look, if you were to see behind me and see the room, you would agree that I am the master of disaster, but the master of something for sure. The uh, master of kick acider. I like it there. How's master that? of, yep, I'm taking it. And with that, well, let me then get to our magic man on the board, Matt Knotts. Matt, what are you the master of? I, creativity, clearly. Oh, uh, clearly. There you go. yeah, that's right. Excellent. Just well, we need firing stuff right out of the holsters here tonight. I'm all over it. <laughs> It's also, well, you know, that guillotine moves fast, so you got to be on your feet. And with that, our man who's always on his feet, always moving quick, we've got the genius, Jason Bills. I, I don't know. I, I don't have what you two have right now, so I'm just happy to be here. But what are you the master of? I just, um, just relaxing. Oh, that's... Take, taking it easy. Wait, I, I would love to be the master of relaxing. Jay's the master of maxing and relaxing. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yes! There we go. There we go. Thank you. And our master of many talents, our illustrious walking weapon, Dr. Dominic DeMore. Professor, what are you the master of? Well, tonight I made arguably my best meal, my grandmother's eggplant parmesan. I feel as though I'm the master of that. So just some context. I made it for my neighbors. They were coming over and they're like, we were like an Italian dish, and I'm like, it's got to be eggplant parm. Um, let me just put it this way. This is the meal I would make if I wanted to impress a girl back when I was dating. Hmm. Let's just put it that way. It's, but now it's, it's a, a neighbor impressor. Yeah, now it's a neighbor impressor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 
women didn't date me for this. And I'm gesturing to my physical <laughs> form. They, they <laughs> egg plant parm was, 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 was it like, trust me. So, yeah. So I'd say I, if I'm a master of something, it's that. And also there is so much salt and, and fat in that thing. <laughs> I don't think the flying guillotine would fit around my neck to cut off my head. Oh, so, so not only food. that, I am now immune to it. Ooh. Just being a fat piece of crap. All right. <laughs> it's there's so many benefits. Yes. So many benefits. Uh, you know, you could get an iron stomach or iron crotch, like we saw in our movie tonight. <laughs> but hold on, I need someone to take over hosting for a moment because I'm just gonna text my wife and figure out when we're coming over to visit so I can get some of that eggplant parm because that's sounds. Oh, you think there's any? Oh, you think there's any? No, I mean I'm the like planet. I'm gonna text Liz too and be like. <laughs> Listen, like, let me put it this way. So the leftovers have already been reserved by my mother-in-law. Well, yeah, I'm talking about you cook a brand new one. Like That's a fresh batch is what yeah, he's angling for. Yeah. I want the br- real deal. Are you bringing over the eggplant? Oh, wow, that sounded bad. <laughs> Not, <laughs> Matt, if... For you <laughs> always, Dom. There's a sound bite. <laughs> you bring you're bringing the eggplant? Isolate that. Isolate that. Well, on that note, there's no better way to get into this episode... So, as I mentioned, tonight we're talking about Master of the Flying Guillotine. Master of the Flying Guillotine is one of the most unforgettable and wild kung fu films of all time. It was written and directed and starring the original Hong Kong action hero, Jimmy Wang Yu, who we sadly lost last year and honored in our Year in Review episode. Uh, This film would bring back one of Jimmy's uh, most unforgettable characters, one of his most mega popular characters, the one-armed boxer, to face off against the most fearsome weapon in kung fu cinema, the flying guillotine. So, guys, this movie, I don't want to even offer your, my thoughts. I want your thoughts on this. Just give me some quick, uh, we usually like to start this off. What did you, what do you think about this movie? What was your reaction to watching this? If this was the first time or 50th time or whatever. I'll, I'll jump in quickly because I watched this when I was, you know, probably too young to watch it. Uh, the dad got me on weekends and I would have access to these movies. Um, and I remember being a boy when I started watching this movie and all of a sudden a blind monk jumped through a thatched roof after screaming <laughs> in pain landed on the ground, pulled out his travel size guillotine, and then <laughs> practiced just taking off styrofoam heads off posts. And then he blew up his house and walked away. And I was like, <laughs> I, that's when I became a man. <laughs> I, I don't know how you could this movie. This is this was a big I think this was like, you know, like ground zero for me for in terms of like Oh, okay. I, this is my genre, and I will watch these from now on. Because I, like I said, first one, way too young. Like I think even before I got to like Van Dam and Bloodsport and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm so excited to talk about this. Yes, yes, I love that energy. Well, you, man, Dom. Yeah, I, I don't want to exactly. I, I, um, I had similar experiences with this film uh when dad and i refer to kung fu movies it's always the one where the guy jumps from the ground and ends up on top of the barn behind him 100 yards away um and that's that's a huge component of this it's like the the hyper realistic almost cartoonish version of the the kung fu movie that you like to think about like this is in your mind when you think martial arts movie kung fu movie this is the movie you think of like Mm -hmm. every goofy cool thing that you can think of in a a martial arts movie is in this thing Mm -hmm. so it's one-stop shopping if if we were to do one episode of this podcast and that would be the end of it this movie yes 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 how about you dam so this is the first time i've seen it Right. And and as our audience may uh, should know by now, I am not the most experienced. I'm the least seasoned with the, quote, Chopsaki, Shaw Brothers, Golden Harvest, you know, <laughs> Kung Fu movies from the 70s. So, I mean, this this podcast, I've watched more of those movies doing this podcast than I have than beforehand. Um, So I've never seen this movie. Uh <laughs> And I realized something that 
it's essentially a merger of Terminator and Street Fighter II The World Warriors. <laughs> that is exactly it. And if you're not familiar with either movie, which either the movie or the video game, one's a movie, one's a video game, Terminator is about an unstoppable machine that goes kill someone, doesn't know exactly who they are, so uh, he kills other people that he thinks are the person before attempting to kill the actual person. And then Street Fighter 2 is a video game where you play as warriors from around the world who are abysmally bad stereotypes. And this movie is like a combination of those things. And it was awesome. It was awesome. Like, come on, tell me Dalsim wasn't inspired by the guy with the stretchy arms. Go ahead. He has to be 100%. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. yeah. Guaranteed. Yeah. And, and all I can see when watching this movie, I'm like, the blind monk is like the Terminator. Like, he does not feel pain or pity or remorse. And he will not stop ever until you are dead. And, and I was just like, this is awesome. I loved it. I mean, it was cheesy as hell. It was on a shoestring budget. The version I got was like half dubbed and half subtitled. Like, seriously, yep. it bounced back you and watch, forth. You watch it on Tubi? Oh, uh, I, I watched it on like a free trial of one of the more um, B-rate streaming servers. I don't even think it was Tubi. It might have been like some, it was like Con Air or TV or something. I don't know. Interesting. Whatever. Con Air yeah. TV? That sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> All Nicolas Cage and John Malkovich movies, Bruckheimer. Let's do it. Bad news. All of your credit card information and one of your kidneys were stolen by that site. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting that like, uh, you know, so you talked about Shaw and Golden Harvest, who we've done, you know, a bunch of their films. I love Shaw Brothers and all that. And this is not, I for some reason, I was sure this was a Shaw or Golden Harvest. And it wasn't. This is through First Films, which is a like an independent studio. And, you know, we talked a little bit about Jimmy Wang Yu before. Like, he was a really big star for Shaw Brothers. Um, you know, he did the One-Armed Swordsman and then the Chinese Boxer, which... You know, a lot of people saw Chinese Boxer. We talked about Chi Chinese Boxer when we covered King Boxer because it lifted a lot of the actors from Chinese Boxer and put them in King Boxer. But those two, the one-armed swordsman and Chinese Boxer, were like the two really big kung fu movies in the late 60s, early 70s that really launched martial arts, put Shaw into martial arts films. And then, you know, Jimmy Wang Yu got sick of the Shaw system and went over to is a lot of stars. You know, we've talked about this with other people before that Raymond Chow at golden harvest brought them over to golden harvest. The problem for Jimmy Wang Yu. So, you know, with those movies, as I mentioned, he was like the big star in the late, late sixties, early seventies. And then a little guy that we just talked about named Bruce Lee arrived back in Hong Kong and did a few films with golden harvest. And all of a sudden, like everybody forgot about Jimmy Wang Yu partially because I'm sure we'll talk about like Jimmy Wang Yu is a magnetic personality, but mm -hmm. he is not a, a expert martial artist. And, uh, you know, so he kind of got set to the side a little bit and he ended up leaving golden harvest too, to go to this independent studio first films where they did the original, uh, one arm boxer, which I didn't realize. And I think I read this, maybe it was even in the DVD notes is like the one arm boxer is literally a combination of his two most famous roles, the one-armed swordsman and the Chinese boxer. It's like the Mets getting the like <laughs> Dodger hat with the New York Giants logo on it. Like it's just the boob or for Simpsons fans, police cops. So one-armed boxer. And then he brought it back. Uh, you know, that was huge and brought this back. So it just, it's interesting uh, talking about some of those studio systems. And again, this is such like a big movie, but that it really is even in like the Hong Kong system. Uh, and I mean, this movie was filmed in Taiwan. Like this is kind of an indie independent film. Yeah. You even can tell it, it doesn't have that, that budget that a Shaw, you know, at least from production standpoint. And yeah, it's, it's definitely on the cheap. I Jay, I don't know what you're talking about because those Dalsim arms were, 
some well, incredible. I don't effects. know what voodoo magic happened with those because those are just <laughs> gorgeous. Even in the, I, oh man, I could just have, we should do a whole episode on just the arms. Every dime ends up on screen with this thing, and that's what I love about it. That's true. Uh, yes. yes, 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 absolutely. Um, you know, it, so I'll admit I didn't have the background that Matt and Jay did with this one. Um, it was just one I hadn't seen earlier, and uh, I saw I did see it probably a couple of years ago, and I just remember like uh, the first time that a head comes off, uh, the level of shout that I had was. <laughs> astronomic and i was just telling the guys before this that like just this afternoon i was re-watching it because i have that same reaction every time i watch it and some of it is like that first scene itself how it's set up with like this idiot that's just trying to get out of his build it's like i killed seven uh you know i killed seven men <laughs> and uh just that when that happens again i just i yell because it's it's hilarious and incredible and I was just watching it this afternoon, you know, in our back room. My kids are doing their homework in the other room. And, you know, I get to the part, the head comes out, you just see the red stump. And I just, yeah, I was like, ah! And my son, you know, who's 11, came running out. He's like, Dad, Dad, what's happening? What's happening? And I was like, oh, nothing. I just a little decapitation. He's like, that's not funny. Like, oh, you have, you just, you'd have to see it. So, come Maybe here, son. I'm, Sit down. Right. Well, it sounds like, you know, maybe I'm creating those memories yeah. like uh, Matt and Jay had. Yeah, honestly. 20 years exactly. from now, he'll talk about this on a podcast and then, you know. <laughs> but how, hey, how, man. Hey, man. Co-pay on for his all, therapy bill. For, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'll tell you, you know, my late father, some of the best moments I had with him were the times when I watched a movie I wasn't supposed to. With him. <laughs> oh, like, of course. He showed me Conan when I was oh, nice. not even as old as your son. <laughs> and I was just like, this movie's awesome. We oh, saw yeah. Under Siege together. We saw yes. Terminator 2 together. Like, like those oh, are yeah. great memories. Like, I, I, I cherish them. So, Mike, I, your son, who I know, I think he would enjoy these movies with you. I mean, well, be I smart. Mean, be smart. Start him easy. You know, <laughs> don't start what? with the raid. <laughs> I don't. I couldn't imagine what's more family friendly than a blind monk wearing a swastika who goes on a <laughs> stated uh, genocide attempt to behead all one-armed people that he can find. And how unlucky are you if you're one arm during this movie? Like, like it, it's. The, how many just... how many one-armed people are there in this town? The same uh, number of Sarah Connors in LA. <laughs> all right. I rest my that? case. I don't know. What are there? They could only I... count five of them. <laughs> could we have like a war? Like the the mashup that we need is the the one-armed boxer versus Sarah Connor, where we just get <laughs> it's all the Sarah Connors and all the one-armed fighters I, I who wins. That movie. Yeah, sounds great. That's a trick question because I mean, I any of us that grew up watching Terminator knows friggin' Sarah Connor wins always. I was gonna say, is this like how many fourth graders could you beat up in an hour? Is that the <laughs> right. kind of question we're asking right now? I guess I don't, I don't know. But who's the fourth grader? Is it Sarah Connor or is it the the one armed? How many one armed fourth graders could you beat up in an hour? <laughs> Dom, it, I'm gonna pretend I've never thought about this. <laughs> pretend is the keyword the someone wants to ask me what is the question would you would you fight a 200 pound duck or 201 pound ducks and 201 pound ducks easily I, hmm. uh, I don't I, I feel like fatigue becomes a thing there's a stamina issue well I mean you could just stop and sit down what are they going to do peck your shoes like, uh, and then ducks you could... are nasty man no geese are nasty Geese. Geese are unholy creatures <laughs> come I, from the bowels of hell. I will they not, have I would no not. they have no yeah. weaponry and but no fear. I would like, not fuck with one goose. One yeah. pound, a hundred pounds, no, four absolutely pounds, not. Four. So someone once said it's like birds are so silly. I can't believe that they're dinosaur. They they well, they are dinosaurs. They didn't evolve from dinosaurs, that they are dinosaurs. And I'm like, every goose in the world is very much aware that they're a dinosaur and, and live and attempts to live up to the hype. No teeth, 
no claws, zero fucks. (laughs) No teeth, no claws, zero fucks. I love it. (laughs) That is a goose life if I've ever heard of it. I don't know. Walks around that angry and leaves man-sized shits everywhere it goes. Yeah. (laughs) It's a dinosaur. That's a dinosaur. Oh, wonderful. So uh, Master of the Flying Guillotine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, by the way, have you guys seen the trailer for Master of the Flying Guillotine? I have not. No. Can I play it for you? Oh, yes. you can. Please. Let me see if this, I'm going to try and see if this works. It should. Oh, yes. from beyond time, from beyond the outer limits of your imagination. He's the master of the flying guillotine. And he's ready to blow your mind. With more nerve-shattering special effects than you have ever seen before. It's a trip into a world where warriors from the ends of the universe meet in combat that knows no boundaries. A world where silent soldiers of death try everything in their power to conquer the most gruesome weapon ever conceived. See special visual effects filmed entirely in Super Cinevision as the master of the flying guillotine encounters the most amazing creatures in this or any world. As he experiences the most spectacular adventures the mind can imagine. The master of the flying guillotine. Amazing. So, who needs Viagra? Um... You watch that 90 seconds. <laughs> Build a deck right now. <laughs> Seriously, everything about this movie is it, oh. and the the songs, right? The music to it is awesome, right? Does anybody know what the story is with that? Did they just no. grab Krautrock songs? That's what I want to know. I, I so I was trying to look that they definitely didn't have permission to use any of this because Correct. they're uh, like there's disputes and like other other versions of it or like when it was because this came out as like an independent film. There's a while where like people thought this film was not was unfindable until it was like the early 2000s. There was the copy came out on DVD and like. Uh, and even like the DVD copies now, like Jay and I were talking, you know, because I go to Jay and Matt for all my if I'm looking for a physical edition of something, I'm like, what's the definitive version out there? And Jay had pointed out, he's like, yeah, it's just this this DVD. Like, it's not even on Blu-ray. And like, there's not like a clean copy of it anywhere because it was like uh, lost to, you know, wherever. But uh, in like some of I guess some of the fights with having it come out were these Kraut rock bands like what is it new is the it's, one that does yeah, noi uh tangerine dream and craft work oh tangerine dream so yeah, yeah. that like wow. they you know or they started getting not some like, work like for the 80s when they hit their stride right right well i guess the, they didn't get paid so i can't remember if it's kill bill or if it's death proof where there's a couple noise songs on the the soundtrack and it's more than likely because of this oh yeah well i know for sure so that's a good like talking about all the things this movie has influenced so this song it was used in kill bill one the like specifically the uh the villains theme there i think it's like super 16 or something like that is the name of the song Mm -hmm. and that was used in the like beautifully choreographed house of blue leaves fight like that was used in part of it and if you guys remember the one oh what was the girl's name the like schoolgirl badass. Um, oh, 
Oren Ishii's assistant there. She had the like that like flying mace that was flying guillotine esque. Like it didn't have the right. the like cage part of it, but it still was like still it had the, the like blades that popped out though. Right. Like it clearly was very inspired. I know Tarantino said this is one of his all time favorite movies. So like it clearly was very inspired. Uh, you know, Dom mentioned before Dalsim, like I don't think anyone has ever officially said yes, this is, but I mean, come on, it, it obviously it not is. be, yeah. Even, uh, you know, Wu Tang. Uh, well, we know a place that we've been wanting to go as a punches and popcorn trip. Our hero, the RZA, has a bar, the Flying Guillotine Bar, at the Alamo Draft House in Staten Island. That the RZA gets it, yeah. Named after this, and uh, again, like Flying Guillotine was in a couple movies before this as a weapon but this is definitely the one that's where it's really known from um i mean even uh, in the all-time great song wu-tang clan ain't nothing to fuck with you know rizza <laughs> says in there he's like and the survey said you're dead fatal flying fatal flying guillotine chops up uh, i can't even do it because i'm wow. not RZA. but he says it in there he says it trust me <laughs> <laughs> take a moment go listen to wu-tang clan ain't nothing to fuck with and then uh come back and realize yeah rizza said that shit it's in there, yeah. And then just listen to the whole album and listen to it like three or four times. And yeah, just pick us up back whenever. Yeah. Hey, Riza, um, if you're listening, which I, you probably are, please get in touch with us at po- Punches and Popcorn uh, <laughs> because we'd love to have you on the show. Um, please. We'd love, to, we'd love to have you on the show. We, we love your music and um, we know you're a fan, right? Correct. We are Good all fan. brothers in this Kung Fu game. <laughs> whether we practice Kung Fu style or Tiger versus Crane. <laughs> oh that's God. the most, that's the most I'm doing. All right. So master of the flying guillotine. Yeah. Let's talk um, about this movie. Okay. Who were you guys rooting? All right. So tell me, I want to know who were you rooting for in this movie? Well, let's talk about this setup. Cause it's really interesting. Ooh, okay. Yeah. 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 The, the lead character, you know, that the title character is kind of the, the villain and mm-hmm. you're, you're, you know, we start the movie with him and you're, you're almost like, and it feels wrong. You know, even as a kid, I remember being like, guy doesn't seem like you know a protagonist like this seems like an antagonist like it, it, it and then you're like you eventually get more information like okay all right he's an assassin he's he's an, he's an evil dude yeah. um but it, it's terminator just, <coughs> i'm sorry go on <laughs> correct go yes on. definitely <laughs> yeah yeah so it just i just kind of love that that's sort of a fresh you know narrative take to you know have your title character be the bad guy uh, it was kind of cool and that, you know, we've talked about revenge being a a theme common to Kung Fu movies, but usually it's the good guy getting revenge against the bad guy. Right. And in this case, it's the bad guy getting revenge against the hero. Mm-hmm. So I find a lot of themes like are mishmashed in here and, and they're elegantly done. But there's like, like I said, I'm not as experienced with the quote Chopsaki as you guys are. So I'm noticing some trends. Yes. Revenge. Mm-hmm. is the is the major motivation i feel like they even shoehorned revenge into um into uh whatchamacallit enter the dragon when it was pretty much unnecessary so i feel like that is like revenge is like the kind of like quintessential motivator for most of these movies um also there's a political angle i notice a lot of these hong kong chinese taiwan taiwanese movies are very politically motivated and this is an example of one too, where doesn't he? This is 1700s, I believe. Doesn't Flying Guillotine and his disciples they work for the the yep. current dynasty? So they yeah. are actually, aside from being psychopaths with too many <laughs> explosives on their hands, uh, are also government agents. Like right. I feel like this is Suicide Squad, circa like china 1700s and you know like so there's that political angle there's that revenge angle um there's the unique fighters thing and also there's that um i think xenophobia might be a no i don't think that's kind of um they had people painted in blackface down yeah i think it's safe to say yeah so so like i thought I thought we hit our zenith of xenophobia <laughs> with fists of, fist of fury, but zenithphobia. I, I was <laughs> nice, but I was wrong because wow, <laughs> they're like we got a, a right. creepy Japanese guy who wants to kidnap the female lead. Mm-hmm. We got um, Dalsim, 
you know, yep. uh, who, I mean, I don't even want to get into that one. It's uh, <laughs> we got the Thai boxer who's just yep. kind of a kind of a dirt bag. Oh, oh, yeah, he's and, super dirty. Yeah, and he like he's just gross. <laughs> You know, and there's an Indonesian guy that they just whack early on in the movie. Like, <laughs> like, like okay, okay. Right, you got the Mongolian. You know when they said the Mongolian? Yeah. I was really Mongol. Hoping... They called him a Mongol. Oh, well, at least mistake. they didn't call him a Mongoloid, because that would have been, well, this yeah. era. Okay. But, like, when they... <laughs> When they announced the the Mongol, I was waiting for Bolo to step out because wasn't that his character in King? Absolutely, in King yeah, he Absolutely. was. So I was like, oh, please give me Bolo, give me Bolo. But now, all this movie might have been missing was an appearance. It literally is the only thing missing. All they this. needed was the American and have him with a cowboy hat and like oh six God, shooters so and cowboy boots. Like, I mean, I feel like. And that's one of the funny things is that why I feel like Street Fighter 2, they must have watched this movie and been like, we can do stereotypes too, but make them more fun. And boom, there you go. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, right. I mean, you have, like we said, it's clearly like Dalzim is definitely inspired by that. Um, Unless that really is a common move in yoga that you can learn how to extend your arms. I, I don't know. I've Not my science segment. Yeah. Oh man, there's so much um, fantastical stuff on this, and some of it's even throwaway. Uh, just like in the beginning, when when our uh, you know when we eventually do meet our kind of sensei, actual you know quote unquote hero, uh, he just casually like walks on walls. And oh it, yeah. Out of no, he's like, okay, so I'm gonna teach you guys how to jump. Or it was balance basically, because right. I watched a dub and I didn't know you know whatever they proper you know translation was but then then he's like check this out and then he walks on the side of the wall and then they cut to the next scene and you're like that that's all we're gonna uh, like what is happening right right yeah like it's nice that it comes back at the end when he walks on the ceiling because right because there's a part where i'm like when i'm re-watching it i'm thinking when he like walks up the side of the wall and then Uh onto the ceiling i'm like what the hell? Like, what was what was happening here? So the reason he lost his arm is because of a gangrenous a, a gangrenous infection from a radioactive spider bite. So he got superpowers, <laughs> but lost his arm. It's all tying together now. Yeah, it all comes together. Yes. He's actually Spider the one armed Spider Man. <laughs> right. Now one I believe versus. have any of you seen one arm boxer? So many years ago, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I have. But I know. I think in that you they give some reason to why he lost his arm. And, and this is does. like a sequel, right? Like, yeah. So this yeah. is officially a sequel. Like the story that uh, they tell at the beginning about like this uh, Feng sh- Feng Sheng. The I don't know flying guillotine. We just all call him flying guillotine, right? <laughs> the guy. Yeah. He he lost his two disciples. And I believe that was the plot of the original movie. So I know they have Which a ties right into this movie. Yeah. Right. Yep. And I know Arrow just released recently, uh, like, I think a pretty nice cleaned up disc of one arm bot. So I'm going to have to get that and see. So it's a classic. Um, but yeah, so, so all that. So who are you rooting for in this? Were you rooting for our one arm boxer or that guillotine? For real? Yeah, I don't know. Who are you rooting for? I mean, guillotine. <laughs> it's on the fucking poster. <laughs> oh no, no! I wish you. Yeah, hadn't I said, mean, I wish I... you hadn't said that, Matt. Because <laughs> Jay, Jay and I have been crying about uh, Mondo released. Uh, if anybody, if any of our listeners were able to get this um, and are like really nice and want to send it to us, that'd be cool. But they released these beautiful posters like a couple weeks ago um, that sold out in like two minutes. And now they're on eBay for like $200 or more or more. They're really nice. And you saying that just made me think about because Jay and I were talking the day before. And he's like, are you going to get that poster? I'm like, "Eh, 60 bucks is a lot to pay for a poster. But now I see the 200 price tag. And anyways, everyone, the great podcasting is built around talking about purchases that you did not make uh right so getting back to the movie so so if you're talking about rooting to get back to the movie (laughs) um no no seriously 
I'm a big fan of like stories where the antagonist seems unstoppable. I really like that kind of thing. I really like where it's like, how are they going to beat this? Like I keep bringing up Terminator. Perfect example. Oh, yeah. um, I feel like the first example of this ever was Moby Dick. You know, yeah, Moby sure, Dick, sure. the white whale. No one can kill the white whale. No one. Ahab could try, and he's going to, you know, and he's not going to win. Or he went, I don't know. I read the book. He didn't win. Spoiler alert, <laughs> he dies. I, I feel like in this movie, I, <laughs> Matt, are you disappointed? Did you not know that Ahab dies in Moby Dick? <laughs> Man. I've been trying to read that since 12th grade. I'm only about 10 pages in, and now I don't have to read it anymore. Well, the good well, news you, is... What are you going to tell me? The old man doesn't get to the sea? Is that what's next? He doesn't get the fish? Oh, my God. Uh, what am I doing here? <laughs> Listen, you know... Have... So, so, anyway, I guess, I guess there's two ways to slice up these kind of movies where there's a character that is a, a, against an unstoppable force. It's like... It's like it depends on the pro- the protagonist. If the protagonist is, you know, good and righteous, like you want him or her to win because you're like, oh, you deserve to win. You're a good person. How will you beat these unstoppable odds? And if they're not a good person, you're like, I hope you hit the wall just like everyone else does against this against this thing and so like i like jimmy wang Yu's character i like the one-armed guy he seems like a pretty stand-up guy so i was rooting for him yeah i wanted it to be an epic epic fight which it pretty much was so oh, yeah, like yeah. And, and i feel like i got that i feel like it's the whole how are we going to beat this unstoppable force well be smart about it and they did a pretty good job with that mm-hmm. um Honestly, the, the flying guillotine stuff was great. I thought the fights with the foreign fighters, quote, foreign fighters, were great. Like, the fight in the house on fire. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, that's pretty smart. I enjoyed that a lot. And like, I think yeah, that I think fun. that was um, necessary for sanitation of the TIE fighter. Like, you needed to be in a <laughs> sterile environment to <laughs> clean those feet. Uh, so racist they, <laughs> I'm just saying the guy in his habits so yeah I love I loved like it, you talked about um I mean we've talked about Street Fighter 2 and I even like the girl in this um you know I thought she looked like kind of like Chun-Li like it made me think of Chun-Li um but I loved all the different like the characters and like that they all had like different gimmicks like oh i was writing some of these down like uh oh like damn it what were some of these guys the daredevil daredevil versus iron skin the eagle claws versus monkey boxer that was with the girl the i thought this monkey boxer looked slightly less awful than bloodsport monkey boxer that wasn't Uh, monkey boxing he was just yeah, the cool. monkey fighter. There's a there's a difference. This one was actually doing monkey style kung fu. Right. I stopped right. it and looked at his stance. I'm like, okay, that's monkey style. He's right. not just a non-white dude living on an island hitting coconuts, which is right. really effed up. <laughs> I like mm. like the braided hair guy versus the Mongolian. Like that's what uh, I'm rooting is, for the science segment. Hair as a weapon. That's what oh, I really yeah. Think. And I like the the Java guy versus flying rope. That was where they fought over all the swords on the, which I thought it was funny. Like he was the one that that like said, "I want to fight in this sword field," and then he ate the swords. It was, it was like, the Indonesian guy. Yeah, yeah. I was like, that didn't work out too well for you. Yeah. Or I liked. I felt bad. There was the tornado knives guy versus the yoga guy, and I like tornado knives guy was bad when he's like spinning this thing around. But I guess like you can't beat extended arms. You can't. No, you know, there's no defense against that. Right, right. But yeah, I loved all those different styles were awesome. It really, and then like I mean it's I don't want to say barely movie because it's not right, but I mean it's almost like that tournament in the middle, the second act is just like a 30 minute tournament. To me, like that is that is the meal right there. The, the, it the, is find the revenge story. I'm with you, you know, unstoppable terminator monk guy. That's great. But that that section in the middle, like when I was a kid, that is oh, I, I just that, that changed me. It really did. So right. Um, they're fun. and it's cool because like one of those fighters 
so I know one of the fighters, um, the guy that had the like three section staff, that was Laukar Wing, who we talked about in King Boxer. He was the fight choreographer for uh. King Boxer. That was him in there. And he and this him and his brother Laukar Lung that we've talked about, another legend in uh martial arts fight choreo they're the fight choreographers for this movie. So they mm -hmm. put all those fights together, which is good because again, Jamie Wang Yu is magnetic, but he has no martial arts background. So just like kind his... of like even more, I mean, to me anyways, it's, it's more credit to him that he, he can pull yeah. all this off. Cause he's not, not only the star he's directing, he's writing like, you yep. know, he's his own little industry at this point. Uh, and it was kind of cool. Cause bef obviously before Bruce Lee came along, like this, this was the guy for a little window. Like he was the first person uh, in a Hong Kong that had a million dollar movie. Yep. Um, but, but what's also kind of neat is this movie. They say like, um, Master Flying Ginty was kind of like the the bridge between, you know, that Bruce Lee craze in the early 70s to like when Jackie Chan took over in the 80s, 76. Like this was kind of like a this was kind of a big movie at the time. Like it's sort of like you said, Mike, it was lost for a while and rediscovered in the early 2000s. But like th this sort of like was sort of a big deal. Like it, it, you know, crossed over to America. It was in our, you know, our grindhouse theaters and stuff like right, that. Right. So, it, it it had a you know like a a nice like like kung fu whatever type of footprint at the time and it yeah. deserves it's just so it, but what i love about it is there's just that extra gear you know what i mean like you were yes. talking about the other movies you recovered it goes into the fantastical it goes into the you know like it's just really creative and interesting um i, I, I just i don't know this is big this is big one for me you're right yeah it's got it all like it, yes there's the period piece but it like, and it, just as you said, it's kind of all these elements as yes, there's a touch of this. And yes, it has a touch of that, but it like everything, it then amps up. Like it starts out with this, like the classic, oh, it's the Qing emperor versus the Ming rebels. And like, you almost are led to believe, oh, this is what it's about. Like they go to the tournament because they're watching the Ming rebels. And you're like, oh, this is another one where it's a tournament, but actually it's for like the soul of China. And no, it's just a tournament because the school wanted to do it. And right. as, soon as, as soon as the head comes off at the tournament, then we just aren't talking about anything at all anymore other than, <laughs> you know, our one on boxer is like, yeah, I just want to live. So let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah, and... we're canceling school. School is done. We're just right. going to regroup. I mean, I mean, that's fair. I haven't done a lot of jujitsu <laughs> tournaments, but I'll tell you something. If I go to a jujitsu tournament and someone gets their head ripped off, I'm probably not gonna. I'll. I won't do the absolute division. I might do my own division, but not the absolute. I'm out. No, sorry, guys. It's like the right just, move to me. Just the concept of this. Like, let me tell you, there is a movie that the the primary plot of this movie is a guy who rips other people's heads off. I mean, that's why as a kid I loved Highlander. Like. Highlander was, my dad said, hey, Mike, there's a movie that's all about these guys who cut people's heads off. I'm like, fucking sweet. Are and we fascinated is... that, like, it fits in his pocket? Like, that it just kind of casually expands? Collapsible into... guillotine. That, yeah. I know. It's just like, it, like, it's travel size. I just love that. He pulls it out, and then, <laughs> I just, I just what imagine... a great weapon. You could get this through customs, I think. I just imagine like go <laughs> going to Target and you're like my little bottle of Pert Plus, my little bottle of right. Colgate, right you know, my little tube of Colgate, my a little, little flying guillotine, yep. like all those together. Just mm -hmm. I, you know, as long as you put them in the clear bag, it'll it'll go through customs. I think, sir. Due to new regulations, you're gonna have to check your guillotine. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't know exactly. anything about being in an airport with a martial arts weapon and running through the terminal, saying. Should I bring this sword on the plane? If That's a story. That's a great story. <laughs> we want does your pop still have that? He does. Yeah, yeah. He's Good, still awesome. <laughs> I'll save that for someday when we cover oh. Kill Bill because it was the mm. it was a Kill Bill sword. Okay. So makes sense. Let me just say maybe I tried this inadvertently somehow. And spoiler alert, apparently customs will notice that weapon. And this is post 9-11, to be clear. I was thinking of that. I mean, I guess 9-11 was a super long time ago. I'm just super old, so I, I feel like I have to clarify that. I, but... say, well, I mean, you... Kill Bill was around that time. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Who are your guys' favorite? So, uh, aside from Flying Guillotine, our master Feng Shang, who were your favorite, like, actual fighters in the tournament? Because we had all these, like, crazy characters. Who were your favorite characters? Or did you have any favorites of those? I love like, the TIE Fighter. I love the TIE Fighter. I thought he was great. Like, he, you know, he was, he was kind of... He needed some hygiene lessons, but like, I thought he had a lot of character. I thought he was, I thought he was funny and like, he kicked a lot of ass and, and the tie know how to fight. So like, I was like, I'm glad he represented like, not his, so his hygiene didn't represent the tie people well, but his <laughs> fighting totally did. Cause he kicked a lot of ass. Uh, one question though, why did he rat out the one arm boxer? Was he just being a know. prick? Or like, yeah, because he shows up to the school. He's like, oh, so you're the guy that the guillotine guy wanted to kill. He's coming over here right now. And I was like, that's kind of a dick move. Mm -hmm. Why did you do that? If I had to guess, it's exactly what you were you were talking about earlier, Dom. I mean, look at the three fighters that side with uh, our master of the flying guillotine. It's the three foreign fighters. It's yeah. the Thai guy, the Japanese guy and the Indian guy. And as we've seen, like a common thread in a lot of these kung fu movies is the foreigner is the bad guy. So yeah, I I think that's why it's just he's the foreigner. So you know, and I mean, they even like he's the one that they expressly point out, like when he is introduced, like you're a foreigner, you shouldn't be here, like you know. So they really, really want you to notice that, like this guy is not from here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I like, really. Oh, oh go, go ahead, ahead Mike. No, no, you, Jay. I, I like the escalation. Again, we're <laughs> just talking about the specific thirty minutes in the middle of the movie, but the escalation of the weapons. You know what I mean? They didn't start big, and then kind right. of they, they they just it was like a what I think like maybe like you said maybe like that bow that has three separate yeah. sections, yep. but then like all of a sudden there's swords, and then we're gonna get a little more crazy. We're gonna keep it. What was the deal with with the dude? Um, he got kicked in the junk and there was no reaction. Like, is that like, does that mean he's like a eunuch or is like in terms of, or is he just like, like one of those cool monks that can, can suck their junk in and like be fine. <laughs> well, that was the iron skin guy, right? Yeah. Like, so it was like nothing hurt him until he got his eyes taken out. Very King Boxer esque, right? The like jump in and take, yeah, he doesn't have iron take eyes, his eyes. Though. Right. And then like, uh, one-armed boxer said something like he's lost his sight so he's lost his soul and now he's vulnerable i don't you know it, so invulnerable crotches <laughs> is I'm fascinated by him because i'm very vulnerable there <laughs> i love right. that band i do not want to know what kind of crotches any of you guys are fascinated please <laughs> listen please please this, the love this, of pete please listen, this movie has kraut rock and it also has rock crotch in it. So oh, well said. But I'm Crout, rock and invulnerable crouches. <laughs> yes, there what you a combination. go. Um, yeah, this is a thread we could go on in like other movies, like uh, uh, Executioners. I can't remember if it's Executioners from Shaolin or Clan of the White Lotus, or maybe both. That like his powerful and vulnerable crotch of Pai Mei is like a feature of an important part of the movie. So. Yeah, it's a. I don't know. We'll get there. It's it very was powerful. It, it was very popular. Um, yeah, I I really like the Japanese guy. I like that he looked like very Raiden esque, but also like very Shinobi. Uh, and I thought like what a dick that he's like. My name is is Win without a knife, and then he friggin' knifes the guy. Like you bastard. <laughs> and I like that that that's what like. It was a, I can't remember if it was one arm boxer or the the eagle claw sensei or sifu that was running the tournament that made the comment like oh he really does have a knife like yep he does mm -hmm. and I wanted the other guy to win at first because remember the guy that he fought at first had that like massive sword that yeah. looked like a giant cleaver I was like that thing is awesome but little shinobi raiden he uh. You know, he took him out. <laughs> and what about, did any of you get, so the, there was the one fight where both fighters died. Yeah. And he had like, he got the guy like on his head. 
And like, I couldn't tell, like, what the hell happened there? So one guy know. got choked. Right. And the, the other hair. guy got, oh, what would that, what did the hair guy, so the hair guy choked the other guy. Right. Oh, but he had it. like abdomen wounds at the end and I couldn't mm-hmm. track how Right. That I was happened. like, what, what happened there? Did he have like horns? The other guy have like horns on his helmet or something? All I know is that in the dub I watched, he said, you're the winner. And you're the winner. You're both, both winners. Won. I'm like, yeah. that's not how this works. <laughs> how right, the right, 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 right. If two right. people die during a fight, winning <laughs> is not the word that comes to my mind for either of them. <laughs> All I can think of is Monty Python and the Holy Grail. We'll call this a draw. I'm like, right. that's the best you're getting from <laughs> Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> oh, yeah, and then, uh, then how about the, let's just talk about for a moment that our final fight where uh, you know, our one on boxer hero realizes there's no way I can beat this guy on my own. I have to come up with this elaborate plan, which, uh, you know, one of the uh, blog that I love following and I, I we've interacted with uh, via social media in the past. So I'll, I will call them friends of the show city on fire. Um, they did. So in their review of this movie, <laughs> They referred to uh, the one-armed boxer, which I thought was hilarious. You tell me if this is appropriate, as an Asian Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> totally thought that. Totally. I was like, this is some Home Alone stuff right here. <laughs> right? He's setting <laughs> up this great. whole house of horrors to trap yeah. him at the end. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, I love that. So City on Fire, that was on point. Thank you. Yeah, and then he punches him through the roof and sends him into the coffin, and he's dead. And then he over. walks off into the sunset. Yes. Convenient. Convenient. Well, Dom, I am wondering if you are going to be able to walk us off into the sunset with a memorable and powerful science segment. Is it the science thing? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The whispers killed me. (laughs) Matt. Science. So sorry, Matt. I had to give you a hard time. Because we were... (laughs) So we were talking uh, earlier. After I watched this movie, we're on like a little Slack chat thing. And I go, damn it, last week I did blindness. And this movie has an actual blind person. Unlike House of the Flying Dagger, spoiler alert, it doesn't. Um, so I'm like, man, I wish I talked about, I wish I saved it. And then Matt goes, wait, this is a movie about people getting their heads cut off with flying apparatuses. And you want to talk about blindness? So that's fair. <laughs> so, so I thought, I'm like... What am I going to talk about? Decapitation? There's yes. not much to talk about, but there actually is. Yes. <laughs> so we're going to talk Deuce. about. So we're going to talk about decapitation and start to drift into like tangents. So I apologize in advance. Um, so first things first. <laughs> Would this thing work? That's what I need to know. Does this thing work? I don't know. I don't know if it'll Ooh, work, but like there. Okay. Hold on, quick interruption. Uh, Matt, the shit, who is it? The the science guys on Discovery Channel did the Mythbusters, Mythbusters did an episode on this and proved that it could work. I'll I will cool. share that. We'll put it in the show notes. Oh wow. Continue. Okay. I'm glad I didn't do the physics of this because I would have done a lot of math for nothing. Anyway. Back to you, Dom. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Yeah. So let's let's talk. Why do we even have a head? Okay, so if you've noticed, like, a lot of animals have a head, right? And not closely related animals either. So the head has evolved many times in animals. And we call this process encephalization. Cephal means head. Encephalization is the growth of development of a head. And lots of animals that are what are we call bilaterally symmetrical, meaning they have a left and a right side, tend to have a head. Because if you have a left and a right side, you tend to have a front and a back. And you tend to put your sense organs in the front. And 
henceforth you develop a brain because sense organs aren't worth a damn if you don't have a brain to process the information. So what ends up happening is with a lot of organisms, they develop a brain in their, their developed sense organs and a brain in their front part, and that becomes their head. Now, the degree to which stuff is devoted to the head end of you varies, which has to do with what I'm going to talk about later. But let's talk about humans. So if you cut off a human's head, they die. I think everyone knows that. Okay. Um, now, Are there's lots sure? of myths that you stay conscious after your head comes off. And if you do, it's not very long. Like, I read somewhere that they did a study with rats to see how long they stay conscious after cutting off their heads, which, I mean, how necessary was that study? I don't know. But, <laughs> but anyway, like, it's like, I think it's like four seconds max, typically two to three seconds. So if you get your head cut off, you're, you're out really quickly. And the reason is, a very obvious reason, lack of blood flow to the brain. I don't even think I need to explain why. Because <laughs> your head is separated from the rest of your body, right? And what's interesting is, even with your head cut off, you'll still pump blood, right? Because your heart is not directly controlled by your brain. Your heart has something called autorhythmicity, meaning that it beats on its own. It has its it has a what we call a pacemaker called the sinoatrial node, which starts the heartbeat every time. So technically, your heart could beat without your head just fine. It's just not going to be very long because you're going to bleed out and die and you have no head. I mean, I don't really need to go on with that. So clearly decapitation is a great way to kill someone. It's been done throughout history, lots of different ways. You separate the head from the body, you're dead. Okay. Um, now, are there any animals that can survive without a head? So if you decapitate them, will they survive? And for how long? Right? So mammals, now you cut off their head, they're dead. And one of the reasons that is, is because we have so much of our neural tissue devoted to, in our head that like without a head, we just can't function. Other animals are a bit more, have a bit more reflexiveness. So they will, they'll die, but they'll be able to react a little bit more and do reflexive actions. Hence the chicken with the head cut off. If you cut the head off a chicken fully, it's going to die pretty quickly, but it will still show reflexive movements like running and flapping and doing all those things because those are regulated by uh, enlargements in its um, spinal cord, right? Mm -hmm. Cold-blooded animals can last even longer because they have a lower metabolism, so they don't need as much circulation. So the circulation goes slower and they bleed out even later. So if you cut the head off a snake or a turtle, please don't do this. It'll last even longer, but it's going to be dead real soon. And we also talked about Mike, the chicken with half its head cut off. Yes. And it survived for a long time. That was, I believe, Enter the Ninja. So you can go back to that yes. one. That was my impromptu science segment. Its entire head was not cut off, and it survived for like a year and a half or something. All right. Now, let's move on to the things that can survive for a while with no head. So when you move on to insects, such as roaches... If you cut off their head, they can survive for quite a while. In fact, if you cut the head off a cockroach, it will not die from a lack of oxygen or bleeding out. It will die from starvation, right? Mm. And here's how it works. So we have what's called a closed circulatory system where we pump blood through vessels. And mammals pump blood pretty quickly because we have such a high metabolism. But insects have what's called an open circulatory system where they don't really have blood vessels and their organs are just kind of bathed in blood. So if you cut the head off, you're not going to be spurning blood out the head open, right? Also, insects breathe totally differently. They do not use their blood to circulate oxygen. They actually have a network of tubes called tracheae that bring air inside their body directly to their tissues so they can huh. breathe without a head so they're good with that too so they don't need their blood to circulate oxygen and also their nervous system is not as centralized in their head as ours so they have even more reflexive uh, action so if you cut the head off don't please don't do this but if you cut the head off a cockroach and separated them they could stay alive for days even weeks mm. it's not a good strategy 
for survival. You can't just like, I'm going to cut my head off today and be just fine. <laughs> but that's, they can do it for quite a while, right? Wow. Now let's go even further back. There are certain animals that don't even have a head or a brain. For example, starfish and other other organisms within the group echinoderms, their nervous system is spread out within their arms, which is one of the reasons why you can cut them in half and they can grow into two, right? So you cannot decapitate them and therefore they can actually reproduce due to being what's called fragmented. Hmm. There's another group which consists of jellyfish and coral and man of wars and stuff like that, which are known as the Darians. They don't have a head nor a brain nor even even centralized ganglia. They just have a network of vessels. So those things can get cut and survive just fine. They actually don't have a head. And then the craziest thing is sponges. So sponges don't even have tissue, right? So I'm gonna step back. This is a, this is a little intense. So when we think about like <laughs> humans, we got neural tissue in our brains, skin tissue in our, we got like epidermal tissue, dermal tissue in our skin. We got tissue in our eyes, muscle tissue, bone tissue, cartilage tissue, et cetera, et cetera. Sponges don't have any of that. All their cells are pretty much the same or like there's two or three versions. If you take a sponge and cut it in half, it's fine. In fact, you can take a sponge and push it through a screen. And assuming like the environment is like seawater on the other side of the screen, the sponge can actually come back together. So yeah. there is an advantage to not having a head and not having a brain. So we've so gone all the way from decapitation and why it is the best way to kill humans to why it's actually advantageous to not only not have a head, not have a brain, but not have any tissues at all. Ooh. And that's the mic drop. <laughs> wow, guys. I, I, oh, nothing? Speechless after that. <laughs> oh, I didn't know if we were going to get a music outro. <laughs> How could you? No, I'm, I don't I'm know. Yeah, you can't. Blown away. That was amazing. And also, so SpongeBob is invulnerable. Well, if you watch, the funny thing is, is if you watch SpongeBob, he gets mangled in so many episodes. He like gets cut up into pieces. That's and true. All those terrible things happen to him, and yeah, I guess you could get away with that. Yeah, nice. That's SpongeBob. Sweet. That was amazing. <laughs> Wonderful, Dom. So the flying guillotine would not work on SpongeBob. He'd just be like, "I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready," and they cut his head off, and he'd be like, "Hey," and it wouldn't work. <laughs> And if you're listening and you were really disappointed because you thought that Dr. Dom was going to give you the science of blindness and uh, the amazing science behind it, go check out our House of Flying Daggers episode where you will get all that wonderful science explained in wonderful details. Thank you once again, Dr. Dom, for another marvelous and educating science segment, our science corner um, guys, any last thoughts on Master of the Flying Guillotine? Um, last reactions or things you loved about the movie? If you haven't watched it, go watch it. At the very least, go watch that trailer. But do yourself a favor, go watch this movie. Yeah, it is on Tubi right now. So you can even do it for free. Yep. And there's numerous uh, full video rips on YouTube. Um whatever the legalities are with that. I may, I'm not advising that. I'm just saying those might be out there. If you search, uh, it's available, watch it, at least watch that trailer might be a good way for you to wake up in the morning. Just put that on and you're ready to go about your day. Just remember, we do not advise the taking of heads as exciting as the movie makes it appear. Let's leave heads on folks. I mean, make your own choices. That's true. We, we, who are we to tell you what to do? Just also, I might advise not wearing a uh, uh, movie accurate version of the master's outfit around in public. Uh, that might that might be misunderstood by some folks. But okay, you... okay, I'm gonna pause. I'm gonna pause. Does anyone know this? Like, because I know, of course, the Nazis co opted the swastika, as and we all know why why it's 
it's been tainted. But that symbol has existed for way before the Nazis. Oh, yeah. Does yeah. anyone know the significance of that? Or should we, like, check on and get back to that? Because, like, I don't think it has it had the negative connotation before no, it was it co-opted didn't. I think it was, like, uh, like, good fortune or something like that. I'll look it up and we'll say this is a good thing to come back on another day. Yeah, exactly. We, you know, we're <laughs> when we have martial arts and straight. right. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, but it's definitely is eye catching when you first watch it. That and the eye hiding three foot long eyebrows. Those were quite impressive. They were good eyebrows. So, I mean, if you can, if you can grow those eyebrows, like definitely feel free to co-opt that fashion choice because that's cool just the the apron maybe leave that part out but you know do as you will all right uh guys anything we want to leave our audience with tonight uh matt what does lunch door have coming up uh food about town uh there's new episodes of that coming out anomaly presents we just wrapped an episode on cherry 2000 Nice. Um, which is that is... the Glenn Danzig movie? No, that's no. Erotica. Uh, oh, we did yes. do an episode on that too. Um, and I think coming up, we are going to do a Neil Breen movie. I'm not sure if it's going to be Fateful Findings or Twisted Pair. You'll have to listen and see. Uh, no matter what, it will drive us all over the brink into madness. Um, <laughs> so tune in for that. Excellent. Wonderful. Yeah, check that out. And then again, remember, uh, Anomaly Film Festival will be coming back uh, before too long. This year, it'll be the fifth anniversary and five days of fun. So make sure you mark your calendars and get ready for that. And uh, November 8th through the 12th. We'll see you there. There you go. Yeah, good stuff. I can't wait to see what you guys get. There's so many things that are now like we're at the last one that we're starting to see come around on uh, streaming like Husera and of course Skinamarink, which had its US premiere at Anomaly as it really had a moment in the the public horror consciousness over the past few months. So again, if you went to Anomaly, you saw that the first out of anyone in the US was there. So I'm excited to see what you all bring. And again, stay tuned with us. Uh, follow us on our socials at Punches and Popcorn. Um, on Twitter and Instagram and drop us a line. Let me know what you, let us know what you like and let us know what you want us to cover going forward. So that's uh punches and popcorn at gmail.com. So friends uh, just keep practicing that couch potato style and watch out for those flying guillotines. This has been a presentation of the lunch or podcast network. Yes.